0: Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skabitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavioral analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. This week, we'll be talking about therapy dogs and service animals and the positive impacts they can have on the lives of individuals with autism and their families. We're excited to welcome welcome Mike and Natalie from Golden Healer Service Dogs to the podcast. They specialize in training service dogs to not only provide emotional support, but also perform tasks which offer safety and greater independence for their handlers. Mike and Natalie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks Thank for Jeff. having us, Jeff.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. Um, can you take a minute? Um, and I guess we'll start with Mike and just give a little bit of an introduction to who you are and what Golden Healers
2: is as a service. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate you guys having us on the podcast. We're excited and would love to share with you a little more about who we are and what we're all about. Uh, my name is Mike Carlson. I am the founder and CEO of Golden Healer Service Dogs. We're a 501 c nonprofit organization, and we have uh, been in business just for a couple years now as a nonprofit organization, and we provide service dogs for those that suffer from mental health and physical related disabilities. And we also uh, are unique that we offer emotional support animals and uh, therapy dogs. We have a volunteer team that we will probably discuss a little more in detail as we get going here. But, um, yeah, and our our main goal is to help educate the public about uh, what service dogs are all about. So, again, we appreciate this opportunity to share that information with your audience today.
0: And uh, I appreciate that, Mike. And and Natalie, it sounds like you have some unique experience that ties into your relationship with Golden Healer Service Dogs, but also um, from a personal perspective.
1: Yes. So I'm an autism sibling and just became my sister's guardian when I was uh, just a few years ago. And growing up with uh, autism, it has been an interesting journey. And one of the things that I hold close to my heart is having a dog. Um, especially my golden retriever Troy, and being able to also utilize him in therapy therapeutic activities for kids as well, and just to be kind of like that family dog at a therapy office, but also you know for the community as well. So when Mike and I connected, uh, I knew I, I just loved everything about what he was doing, so I represent um, the board member for Golden healers for autism applications, and I help families understand. The benefits of having a um, emotional support service and, and therapy dog in their home. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it.
0: But well, I, I know that I'm excited, and I would imagine the audience is also excited, just because not only are we going to be learning about the impact that service animals and service dogs, in particular, can have for a family and a child with autism, but we're going to hear it from the perspective of people who have trained people have experienced the family condition, but also people who have lived a life, which is kind of cool to see. Um, Before we get going, I'd I'd like to just visit an article that I went and read back in August, which actually is probably what brought this topic to our attention. Um, And granted, this was was in New Jersey, and it was about a family who had been waiting nearly two years to access their service animal. Um, They had a child, who um, was five years old and was exhibiting a lot of self-injurious behaviors at the time and had a lot of difficulty being able to control some of those emotional outbursts and sensitivity issues. And what the family had indicated is that they had gone through so much work to be able to finance and then to interview Uh, the right uh, dog services and to get to the point where they finally were able to find that right match for them and their family. And the impact that that had for the child and the family was amazing. The child felt that comfort. It felt that love. What is it that makes a good service animal? And what is it that that service animal can provide to a child directly that is worth that investment? Because it sounds like for this family, it was super important.
2: Yeah, Jeff, uh, you know, there's quite a few qualities that we look for when we're selecting puppies. And of course, each organization that's out there has different ways and methods in which they bring dogs into their program. There's a lot of organizations that will rescue dogs and uh, from shelters and things like that. And then they will find the right fit and train those dogs. Uh, our organization, we do things a little different that way. The, we uh, have selected specific breeders uh, for the type of dogs that uh, we found have been so successful in joining the program. We look for puppies that are confident. Uh, they need to have a calm temperament. Uh, they also need to be energetic, but not necessarily hyper They should react, uh, should not react um, negatively when strangers pet them or if children were to pull on a tail or an ear or something like that. You know, people should they should be enjoy enjoy being around people and they should be happy to please and be receptive to instruction. And most important, they need to be able to focus on tasks and ignore distractions um, because that's critical in providing the type of work that they do as a service dog. So as I mentioned, there's a lot of things that we look at there, uh, but, uh, and not all those things are um, going to be noticed in a puppy, obviously. And so as we watch the puppy get trained and as it goes through the program, um, we watch for those qualities to either get better um, or we try to help improve those qualities through our training process.
0: And Natalie, you, you said that not only are you a board member for the Golden Healer um, circus mm-hmm. Dogs, but you're also a sibling of a um,
1: sister. <laughs> there we go. Yeah.
0: So you're a sister so. with autism. But um, so with that experience and what Mike was describing, what made your family animal, what made your dog the right fit for your
1: family at that time? So funny enough, I had always, you know, growing up with Angie, there's a lot of struggles that siblings face that we don't necessarily like to communicate because when we're younger and also speaking to other autism siblings my age, we all feel that, you know, our families have enough of a difficult time trying to help our sibling with autism that we kind of push ourselves to a side. So growing up with dogs and having that companionship was so important as a sibling to be able to understand that although you know your your parents might be spending just a little bit more time with your sibling who has autism because you just start understanding that they have different needs as you um, having that companion in the home. My dog to me was my best friend so it really made me feel like I wasn't alone Um, the dog was more for me than my sister funny Mm -hmm. enough my sister's not really into dogs Um, it was more for me than anything (laughs) Um, so As I started working with kids growing up, um, I used to bring my dog with me, and I would see results from kids such as they would start talking, they would feel comfortable, they, you know, when I opened up my pediatric therapy office, I told myself, I have to have a golden retriever, I have to have a dog here and train him to be a therapy dog. Because if it's impacted my life as a sibling, I can't imagine other families who might not have access to a dog right now, how it can impact their child's life. So you know we would have Troy, which is my golden, and the kids would be coming into the therapy office, and it was almost like the office family dog, where kids would come in and start talking to Troy and verbalizing, and these are words that families didn't even hear their children articulating or speaking about in their own home, but they would hear it with Troy. So seeing the kids interact with um, with Troy and with other golden retrievers that I've seen in the past, I know how important it is for not only to impact the family dynamic of the home, whether it's the sibling or the parents who need a companionship while they're going through, you know, the stressors of living an autism family lifestyle. Um, But just in general, to be able to provide that therapeutic like sensory uh, sensory skills or to impact the child's like gross motor movements, whether it's throwing the ball to the dog or, you know, working on tricks with the dogs, it's such an empowering experience having a dog um, in a home, especially one that is trained. Uh, Mike's dogs are all phenomenal, but why it's so impactful in my life and why I've wanted to help out with Mike's organization, why I fell in love with the cause is because it's personally touched me, but I've also seen it personally touch hundreds of kids um, with the use of a therapy dog.
0: Yeah, and you actually hit on something that, um, and maybe both you and Mike can answer this afterwards, but for me, one of those pieces that the therapy dog provides is that transition of communication. So it's almost like a lot of those children that we work with or that have autism have that social, emotional communication gap where it's hard to have that reciprocity. What you were just describing, as far as, you know, uh, she uh the children that you were working with would talk with the puppy. They'd engage with mm-hmm. the puppy. And that started to transition to you or other people in the environment, is one of those phenomena that I find amazing.
2: I think that uh this might be a good time to kind of explain part of Golden Hiller Service Dog's mission, and that's to educate the public on the differences between service dogs emotional support animals and therapy dogs Uh, because there is a big difference and a lot of people um, use terms to explain a service dog for instance they may call it a therapy dog Uh, even though a service dog absolutely does provide therapy work for its handler uh, it's not classified as a therapy dog in the sense of what a service dog does uh, and so we like to explain that so people understand that there is a definite difference between the three so that they can get a clear understanding of what our services are. Uh, it does require that the dog is trained um Regardless of whether it's a service dog, emotional support dog, or a therapy dog, to be able to be in those specific situations that it's tasked with, to be able to help that specific individual. Natalie was mentioning about being in a therapy setting where the dog's a therapy dog. Uh, That dog needs to be calm, relaxed. It needs to be able to um, understand what uh, that individual is um, dealing with. Uh, That just really takes a lot of on-hands training, like having the dog involved, um, experiencing different situations where it is out in public, it's out uh, working with in in that specific setting. Of course, all the uh, other behaviors that you train that dog uh, up until that point. And so we actually do have therapy dog training classes that we provide as well as part of our company. And we have a therapy team that is dedicated to go out and provide these services vol- as volunteers to different types of settings. And so, uh, but it does, it takes a lot of work uh, and and, you, and it takes a lot of preparation for those dogs to be confident and to be able to um, help in those situations. Mike, can you provide
0: an example where that matching of the child and the, and the dog where the energy really changed the environment?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I used to uh, attend uh, a school that uh, worked with troubled youth and uh, I would volunteer there uh, to bring the dogs to do therapy work. And we would have them in sessions uh, with each individual uh, teenager. And uh, I remember specifically um, one of the therapists there having a really hard time uh, having the individual open up and share with them, uh, their feelings and what was going on and, and opening that trust. Um, they just were batting heads and not, not getting to getting anywhere. The sessions were going nowhere. So he invited me in for the session with, uh, one of our therapy dogs and, uh, the dog, uh, at first was a little bit, um, you could see when they went in the, 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 person was on the couch and the dog kind of sat on the floor next to me and uh there was no there was silence no talking for a few minutes uh and then finally the dog kind of worked its way over and sat on the couch next to this individual mm-hmm. and the individual started petting the dog and just calmly The dog was calm and they just connected. And all of a sudden, the communication just opened up and this person just let out everything that, you know, (laughs) they had been holding back from this therapist. And uh, it was just a remarkable turnaround um, for the therapist. It was incredible. And uh, he was just amazed at how quickly that situation changed and that trust was developed very fast from that dog being in that um, situation. That's that's amazing
0: how just that relationship of an animal coming over being that soothing factor, helping somebody feel at peace at calm could bring about such a, a big change in their demeanor where they feel like they are in a sense of trust and they can talk, they can explain themselves Um, and divulge more information. I think that's that's amazing to be able to see and witness. Um, From your perspective, Natalie, is that you've had a pediatric therapy opportunity where you've brought animals into the environment, and you've probably had some of your uh, patients who might be a little bit more on the aggressive side or might have more sensory issues. How have you seen, or do you have any examples, of watching somebody de-escalate or get calm to the point where they're able to be in a group environment and feel more at ease simply because they have that dog by their side?
1: Sure. So one of the things that I coached my therapy team on, we had speech, um, speech OT and PT in my office. And one of the things I coached them all on is that a therapy dog should not be Necessarily a reinforcement. The therapy dog should be able to be with the child even if they are getting aggressive or they're feeling a sense of sensory overload because we want to make sure that they're associating that the dog can help them at any point in time. So we had a client that she's a little girl, four years old, and bless her little heart, she was one strong little four year old. Um, But she would get really upset when anything in her routine would change. So whether it was an, it was an early release day one time and she came to therapy a little bit earlier and she was just so distraught. She was crying. Mom was crying because she had no idea what to do with her. Um, So when she came in, you know, we, we gave her a weighted blanket. We gave her, you know, the OT worked with some gross motor activities with her to try to calm her down singing and nothing really worked. So I said, let me go get Troy and see what happens. So, as soon as I brought Troy in, she said, Troy. And this is a little girl that we're working on her, her communication skills as well. So, she just screams out, Troy. Troy goes right next to her. She starts petting him. And she was the calmest little girl. Um, so, I mean, I have so many other examples of how dogs have helped. But the reason why that one stands out to me is because after we helped, we went back to mom in the waiting room and we had. Troy be with mom, and Troy calmed even mom down. So we were able to have it on both ends where, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, the kids always felt that Troy was always available, no matter what they needed. And he provided such a deep sensory inputs where when he would lay his head on on their lap, um, it would provide that like, kind of pressure for them as the weighted blanket did. But it's almost like this companionship that the kids just really felt so aligned with with Troy um, and you know I had to train him a lot to not just be able to go around the office and walk wherever he wanted to that's really important for a therapy dog um, but the fact that he's able to serve as almost this soothing um, experience and being able to really connect with clients in a way that we have a hard time understanding if we're connecting with clients, sometimes just because of lack of communication and everything, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can. We're almost like figuring out the pieces, right? Like what's wrong? Like, how can we help you? So we're giving every therapy modality. We're like doing every activity possible. So that way they're, um, you know, they're learning how to self-regulate themselves. But I love that Troy was just able to walk in and just completely change this little girl's demeanor. And then on top of that, just go to the mom who was so stressed out and distraught from the stresses of her daughter having a meltdown that he was able to calm her down too. So it was a really cool way of seeing how the family um, received that from Troy.
0: Wow. I, that's, that's amazing. And I would imagine just having that, that breathing, that heartbeat of the dog sitting on your lap for the, for the yeah. child. like that, that connection is just, it has to be there. So um, those emotional and those behavioral and sensory components are so important. Um, But as far as I know, there's, there is another purpose for the service dogs and that's the safety component. Um, I know a lot of families that will use it to make sure use the, the, the relationship with the dog to make sure that their child isn't running away or wandering or waking up at night and getting in trouble is there are there other safety precautions that the that the dog can help to maybe be that buffer for in the home
2: or community environment so as far as uh that i mean you hit a lot of those right on the target that you know we with service dogs and specifically we train them uh we can train them and, and make it possible for uh them to help with eloping or running off when they go out uh at a public place and that oftentimes they find the child running off and being lost. But what we do uh, provide is training for that dog to alert uh, families. If the child does happen to leave the home, uh, then we can train them to bark or to come and, um, and to uh, get the attention of the parents so that they understand that the child's left the home. So it is kind of an alarm, an alarm system in a way. <laughs> uh, and then they also can be trained to track uh, or trail the child so that they can find them if that was to happen and they were to get out and get lost. Uh, and so there is that situation. But with tethering, um, you know, when they're out and about, uh, if there's, if you have runners, uh, it's important that, um, you know, you can actually, you uh, Have the child either hang on to the um, vest of the dog uh, and you can put a tether to it, um, which was like a leash in a way. Um, And then of course the parent would be on the other end of that uh, leash with the dog so that if the dog got spooked for whatever reason, because service dogs, even though they're great in every aspect, they're not perfect um, all the time. So there could be an instance where we wouldn't want to put that child in danger. Uh, And so, of course, we would want the parent to be um, in control of the animal. Uh, But that being said, just the fact that the dog is there helps generally um, the child have a reason or purpose to stay grounded with their parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really helps them in that aspect. Um, And then the tethering, of course, is just a safety measure. Um, in case there was a sep- you know to help not get get separated, so I think that, that would probably be one of the biggest
0: senses of relief for a family is that if they did have a child who ran or wandered in different environments to know that they had a dog trained to be able to help support them to to be able to be that that last resort or to get that caution for the family. Um, That's probably every parent with a child with autism's worst nightmare is their child being able to run away. And this sounds like a wonderful opportunity to kind of solve for that.
1: Real quick, Jeff. So one of the things that I've also seen um, service and therapy dogs provide is almost that situational awareness. So having the dog be that model to model behavior for stopping uh, on the sidewalk when we're at a stop sign, we need to look left and we need to look right. So having that companion to also be a model for those specific skills that we're trying to teach kids life skills for safety is also really beneficial in having the dog as well.
0: Absolutely. And and before we get to the logistics of how a family actually can access one of these dogs, I did have a question just because you see a lot of other animals right now, not servicing the same role that your the service dogs do, but you see a lot of um, emotional support animals out there. Are there are there other types of animals? Um, whether it is equine therapy, or whether um, there are could it be cats? Could it be pigs? I, I think I've seen people with potbelly pigs for emotional support. Um, are there other animals that you've seen to fulfill some of the emotional need?
2: So as I, I as I explained earlier, uh, service dogs and therapy dogs obviously perform different jobs, um, and only. Dogs right now uh, and many horses are currently recognized by the American Disabilities Act to actually be qualified as service animals. And Mm -hmm. so uh, that kind of cuts off, you know, any other kind of relationship with other animals to be classified as a service dog or sorry, as a service animal. But any type of animal can be used by a handler to do therapy work or provide therapeutic um, treatment. And so, in fact, one of the reasons our organization exists is because of my personal love and fascination of all animals, not just dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, They've truly been a blessing to me in my own personal life. Uh, In fact, back in 2008, uh, when the economy crashed, uh, I crashed. And I lost my business, my home, cars, pretty much everything except for my wife, children, and family. Um, And it was a really hard time. fact, I suffered uh, through some anxiety and depression and PTSD, um, things that related back to some childhood experiences that I had, and um, uh, fortunately for me, a couple years after that experience, I was able to be around horses, and uh, I I had a desire to learn a lot about what they can do, and I started studying, as you mentioned, equine-assisted psychotherapy. And it was through this learning that I gained a great appreciation of animal-assisted therapy. And I started to incorporate dogs personally to help me through my issues. And uh, soon my passion evolved from helping others with dogs through therapy work. And that's eventually what led us to move in the direction that we are today, where we work to heal or improve people's lives through our amazing dogs and um, through service dogs, emotional support dogs and therapy dogs. So sorry to run that long answer, but to no, answer I... the question is there's there's not just dogs can, can fill the role of therapy to animals. You can use horses, which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. We have uh, quite a few organizations that we actually work with um, here locally in Utah. That um, have equine-assisted um, therapy that they work with um, autism families. Uh, we have uh, different organizations as well that um, will allow uh, cats or birds or kangaroos. <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen rabbits and turtles and all different kinds of animals uh, provide uh, therapy work for individuals. So.
0: I think it's funny how much uh, unconditional love can do for all of us. So when you're talking about this therapeutic experience, the amount of training that you have to put into the animals is that it, it does present an additional cost To be able to get the right fit, to get the right animal, and oftentimes insurance won't cover that. There are some insurance companies that, uh, for health insurance, that will cover portions of it. And I know that even with Medicare right now, is that there's small portions, and the VA does the same sort of thing. But um, what other vehicles? I mean, flexible spending accounts. I mean, I saw the family that we spoke about through New Jersey that did some crowdfunding. How do how do people figure out ways to be able to Access this, and maybe I'll start with Natalie on this just from a a sibling perspective, and also somebody who's probably run into a lot of families from the pediatric side. How have they been able to access this?
1: So, a lot of the times, what I love that Mike does is and he can explain it more in detail, but there's a grant or they do a lot of funding with family and friends, we'll do fundraising for them. So, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is helping families fundraise for their child to get the service dog. you know, so doing different types of fun events, uh, according to the family lifestyle, like there might be a baseball family. So we'll try to do an event, uh, for fun and for baseball. And then that also provides an opportunity to educate the community on why, what's the difference between a service dog and a therapy dog. Um, but Mike does have a program where families can fundraise to help cover a um, portion of the, of the costs as well. Right, Mike? Absolutely.
2: So, you know, the process to getting a service dog is, and, and as you mentioned from the article that, we're, that this topic came from, it is, can be very expensive to, to get a service dog. Uh, whether you train your own service dog, and that's something I didn't mention, but uh, you can actually train your own service dog. There's no regulating body that certifies a service dog. So really the only requirement is, is that you have a disability, and that the dog is trained to perform specific tasks that help you uh, to have a more independent life. And so um, you have to have a medical professional that, you know, states that you have a disability and a need for a service dog. But other than that, um, there really isn't any restrictions on it. However, most people, you know, can cause problems by thinking that they can train a service dog, um, especially in situations where they have someone that has a disability and they've already got that, you know, their hands full with dealing with those issues. And now on top of that, they're going to try to train a dog. Uh, it takes a lot of commitment, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, in fact, our dogs, the process for our dogs is a two year training period. So they're trained from the time they're born uh, until they graduate, which is typically about two years. Okay. Uh, so it's a very intensive training. Uh, and, so it's expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Our dogs typically cost us anywhere between forty dollars to $60,000. Wow. Uh, and so, uh, as you can imagine, most families can't just work out forty dollars to $60,000 for a dog. Uh, and that is why we came up with our nonprofit to help in as many individuals as we can to receive service dogs for little to no cost. And how we do that is that we... Uh, are out there in the community doing our own efforts of fundraising um, through different various uh, projects that we do, as well as um, doing events uh, to, to help get recognition and sponsors. And so we're always looking for businesses and organizations that are um, interested in our cause and interested in helping um, to support us. And then we also require the individual to actually do their own fundraising, because we don't want to be a handout, so to speak. We want to make sure that the individual is doing this and that they are going to care for and and appreciate having such a valuable dog or a valuable tool. And so, part of their responsibility uh, is is to go out there and actually do their own fundraising efforts, and that can be anything from doing bake sales to working with their local restaurants to get certificates at a discounted rate. It could be doing car washes. It could, I mean, anything they can do to raise money, crowdfunding, uh, uh, whatever it takes for them, uh, we ask them to do a portion of those funds. Uh, and if they are able to raise those funds uh, and help us, it really does offset some of those costs for us. I think that's a, an amazing effort that you're putting in to be able to
0: provide access to this experience for families. Is there a, a place where people can go to learn more about Golden Healer service dogs? Or, I mean, if, if there are other organizations that people could learn about, is there a place where, where that information is readily available?
2: Yeah. So I believe the American Disabilities Act does have uh, Resources and uh, I'm not sure of uh, all the other ones that are out there. You can basically Google search service dog organizations to try to find them. Uh, they are they do have accrediting bodies that acc- they give accreditation to uh, certain organizations. You do have to have you know a certain amount of time and so many dogs that you place in order to be accredited. Which we're still um, waiting our, our time to be able to be approved for accreditation, but. Uh, are the way for people to find us here locally. And we also do provide service dogs um, nationally. We have service dogs all over the country um, from here to Florida, including a uh, dog in Hawaii. So uh, yeah. there isn't anywhere that we won't service, but um, we, you can find us at uh, golden healer service And we also have uh, Facebook and social media platforms. We're on um our Facebook page is golden healer service dog on Instagram at golden dot healers dot service dog. So there's all kinds of ways to find us and follow us and um, see what's happening with our organization and how we're impacting people's lives.
0: I think that's uh, a great first place to start. And um, before we wrap up, I'd love to hear Natalie, just one more thought from you on as an entire family the experience of having that service dog in your home undoubtedly hit you as a sibling. It it provided you with some kind of output or that emotional support that you wanted at that time. So what would your advice be to families if you had their ear right now on how to approach this situation and the benefits that everybody could attain?
1: Of course, I know one of the first things that families think about is the responsibility that they would have of the dog Um, and considering how the dog would maybe be, they jumped a little bit to conclusions of, oh, you know, the dog might be uh, too much for me to handle right now with my lifestyle. But I want to encourage families to think about how much of an impact it would actually have on the lifestyle of your family. Uh, the dynamic of the siblings coming together and having that commonality, I can't express how hard it was for me growing up and not being able to play with my sister. And the only thing that we were able to play together with was our family dog, Um, how it connected us as a family and how it really impacts the sibling growing up and not feeling so, I guess, overwhelmed or alone in a sense of, you know, that, the service dog is there to provide a service. And the dog is one of the most amazing things I've ever grown up with. Um, You know, I wasn't able to go to a lot of things after school because I was constantly in my sister's therapy sessions all the time. And at the end of the day, I wasn't so focused on what was I missing out on I was focused on you know, what was I looking forward to coming home, which was my dog. So you know, when my sister was younger, and she had a lot of aggressive behaviors, and, you know, she had a difficult time communicating those, those needs. Um, and my parents spent so much time with her to help her, I was able to find a lot of comfort in our family uh, dog and in the service dog. So I really want to encourage families to think about how much of an impact and positivity it would have and know that the family does come together, even their child with autism, it really teaches them responsibilities. It teaches them routine of feeding the dog, of bathing the dog. Like There's so many different therapeutic activities you can do with the pup as well to help their child's developmental milestones, all while impacting the family lifestyle.
0: Well, I find this extremely enlightening, and I hope that this gives a platform to really put out there how important or beneficial Having a service dog or a service animal as a part of your life could be. So, once again, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Natalie, for taking the time to be able to share your experiences and knowledge.
1: Thank you, Jeff, so much.
2: Thank you. Appreciate you.
0: With autism, there's always new therapies and new approaches to explore. What I learned today from Golden Healer Service Dogs is that as a complement to therapy, ABA therapy, um, other types of therapy, is that having a service animal provides the opportunity for emotional support for that child. It provides an extra layer of safety, and it gives connectivity for an entire family unit. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all of the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS. ABS is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder you can learn more about ABS and the Autism Weekly Podcast by visiting abskids, that's plural, dot com. Thanks for tuning
2: in. See you again next week.